How was Davos? Was it cold? Did you have fun? I saw they were COVID testing like the house. At the Davos World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. How was that? Well, it hasn't been the same since COVID, obviously. I mean, yeah. I mean, you used to be able to really get up in people's faces and the cocktail hour. Like they never, the cocktail hour will never be the same at Just Davos. not as good. Yeah. Just not as good. The people that you want there don't go anymore. It's like kind of like being an alumni at any university. It's like, yes, there will be a reunion, but like, am I going to see anyone of influence at that reunion no probably not yeah. you know people of influence are not going to their college reunions no they're out influencing that exactly like that's such like a 1980 like i feel like i feel like that hasn't been a thing since the 80s yeah right like um, real reunions. did you have the diet cocaine cocktail were they serving that oh yeah you mean uh, it's like three quarters diet coke and floated with champagne oh my god tom it? hanks made that no. a thing really yeah it's that the actually new, sounds delicious it's the new negroni sbagliato with, with prosecco, prosecco in it yeah it's that no but i really like that and you know i don't drink much right. ever but as a treat when it's i like, do it's like a reward this year i think it's gonna be always sparkling like either champagne yeah it's just better like i Brusco. think yeah but i'm not interested in any other alcohol than no. like a sparkling a sparkling wine it needs bubbles. It needs bubbles. We're seltzer people. Yeah. We've been chugging seltzer for months straight. I think I am seltzer at this point. I know. you. My like 97% body water content has been replaced with LaCroix. Carbon bubbles. Bubbles. Can I tell you something? Always, please. <laughs> so this morning, I was at, you know, a meeting where people come together and talk about similar issues mm -hmm. <laughs> and um you know i shared and then like this guy came up to me afterward and he is a man and he is about 70 years old i know this because he told me okay he said he's about to turn 70 he looks great for his age i suppose but he looks 70 you know reminded me of my dad a little bit just in that like really good looking but old Okay. But like, you know, really thought maybe like he was going to be the next Marlon Brando. Oh, okay. Got it. I mean, yeah, we are in Hollywood after Unlike all. my dad though, like this guy stayed and like worked toward that. And Got I don't it. know how many roles he's gotten or whatever. I have okay. terrible facial recognition. For all I know, he's quite successful. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just going off of my vibe here. And he, yeah, like, whereas my dad came to LA and, like, I think he went on a couple of auditions and then realized he couldn't handle rejection and then quit. Oh. Like, very shortly thereafter. I didn't know that about your dad. Yeah, yeah. People are always like, you should act. You should model. And he did a little modeling here and there. But when it came to acting, you know, he took a class and then he got rejected. And he he just really can't. You know what? I, I get mean, it. Rejection hurts. Yeah. I, like, I identify. Yeah. And it's like, fight or flight. You either run away away and avoid being rejected at all costs or you look rejection right in the eye and you say masochistically say want to go again right. yeah uh -huh. and it's like i i don't know i feel like i've had to both inherit his fear of rejection and conquer it uh-huh and it's still you know it still bothers me a little bit but anyway so this guy is talking to me He's, grandpa daddy grandpa daddy let's give him a name <laughs> Let's call him Marlon. Okay. So Marlon's talking to me and he has like a lot of gravitas. Uh -huh. And when he like speaks and stands at the microphone to like share, he like widens his legs kind of like. Really like embodies the ground he's standing on. Yes. Okay. And like embodies himself as a character in the play of life, oh, if you okay, will. Yeah. You know, rests his head on his chin, dips his head just an inch, and stares down at his daemon. Mm -hmm. And then, from a place of grounded certainty, he shares... <laughs> And so he has this, like, this way about him already. And I'm like, okay, I, I dig that. Like, I note taken. Yeah. Like, I love learning from other people's elocution styles. Yeah. I mean, all the world is a stage. Truly. And whatever. I wasn't expecting us to chat afterward. But he came up to me and he was like, you know, are you a writer? Are you Jewish? Are you from Long Island? Like, kind of knew a okay. lot about me. You're like, weird, but okay. I know. And I was like, and, he, and then he started saying, he's like, my first girlfriend was from Long Island. She was, you know, also Jewish. And yeah, you write comedy? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know Sid Caesar? I was like, no. He's like, oh, come on. You don't know Sid Caesar? And then like continues to launch in like, and I'm like, where is this going? Like, bring it home, buddy. Yeah. And I'm 
really not sure because when you're talking to a man over a certain age, like you don't know whether it might not be an end. It might just be because truly. Yeah. But he actually was able to bring it back around. But basically, Sid Caesar. I didn't recognize the name, but then when I googled Sid Caesar afterward, I was like, oh, I know who this He's a is. He because the name is familiar. He was an American actor and comedian and writer, and he was a sketch comic. Okay, and he like you know was on all like the early sketch comic shows, like Mad that kind of stuff. Mash. Oh, not like the... Okay, got it. Got it, got it, got it. I mean, I could be fully wrong here. Maybe not MASH. I've never seen... I'm mean, cut all of this because people... <laughs> I'm so afraid of like boomers going, oh, you haven't seen that. And us. that was essentially... Yeah. Like that was my entire... Sorry, experience. we're not bootlickers. I haven't seen MASH. Yeah, like I'm, I, I wasn't... I don't idolize the US armed forces. Yeah, I wasn't born in like 1928. Like yeah. I just... I'm sorry. Yeah. I did not watch MASH. Yeah. And anyways, but like he was very um, pivotal in the careers of like Mel Brooks okay. and um, Woody Allen mm-hmm. and Ooh. I think Steve Allen. I don't know, whatever. All Steve Martin, Steve Allen, all the Allens, all the Martins, all the... All the Steves. All the Steves, all the Woodies. And then I looked him up and I was like, oh, this is the baseball coach from Greece. Put the bat down. That guy. Yes. Okay. I was like, well, that's what I know him so from. So did he I'm know sure. him? Did I know him? No, the grandpa so daddy. he was a chauffeur for all of these guys apparently and he talks about he's literally regaling the moments and the exact jokes that he told them that made them laugh and i'm just like groaning (laughs) in support and that's the thing it's like is it okay that makes me kind of sad for me for him (laughs) yes of course no which part (laughs) i think all of it like right. remembering like the exact moment, what I was wearing, what the seats felt like. I told him this joke and they then sent he me to laughed. get this and then... But it's it's just all about validation. And he's trying to impress it, me. It makes me sad because I'm like, oh like I wonder if he's remembering it so clearly because those are some of maybe like the only moments of validation that he received. He wants to be validated. He wants to be yeah, seen. Yeah, like I see the person there and I'm like, Oh, that makes me sad. And like For anyone who would say, you know, this man just wants to be seen and validated, I say, don't be so ignorant. (laughs) Oh, because, I mean, there's more to it. He's also hitting on me, for sure. Yeah, there's more to it. You know, the way he's looking in my eyes and, like... He's already compared you to an ex-girlfriend. Exactly. Like, that's where we started. And so, like, yes, on some level, he wants to be seen and validated. But if that's what he wants, you know, he can call up... There's a way. ...a friend. Yeah. He can go to therapy. He has Not in a meeting. Yeah. He doesn't need to be validated by me. And yes. like we've already fi- this is The other thing that you have to realize is We already spoke about 15 minutes before this Oh god Like it. just like introduced ourselves And then he like came back over mm. To be like So what do you write? You know Got it I'm just like Okay What's your Marlon, address? Truly And yeah It's just like when, when he realized Like I wrote comedy He's thinking like I'm gonna under I'm gonna really appreciate this Like he worked with He was a chauffeur for the legends Got it While like trying to become a legend himself and, yeah. and I do feel for that But I was just like Jesus Christ I was thinking like A different woman In my shoes mm-hmm. Would cut him off Oh right But you let him I let him go And I literally mm. could I mean there were probably moments Where I could have ended it And I was like Instead I was like Oh that's that's interesting. Like, what do you think? Why? <sighs> We'd have to call my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why do I think? Yeah, it's like, well, it obviously feels good to be desired. Sure. Even if it's by a geriatric man who thinks he's 30. Right. Um, Hollywood will do that to people, though. What? Keep them... Thinking like 30. the body keeps aging, but the ego is like, I'm 25 forever or whatever. 100%. Okay, but it doesn't even end there. Because oh, then no, I was what? like, all right, it was really good talking to you. And I was like, you know, I, I made it clear that like, oh, my friend was over there. I kept uh-huh. like locking eyes with her and being like, one second. And I was like, really good talking to you. He was like, you as well. I was like, I'll see you next week. Head off to talk to my friend. He heads off to his car. I think that's the end of it. Oh, no. I'm talking to my friend now. And suddenly I see this car pull up, goes into park, door opens. Marlon walks out, and now he's walking back toward me. I don't like this. And he's standing now about, like, six feet away, waiting for me to, like, finish my conversation with my friend. I was like, all right, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you later. And then as I'm about to walk to my car, he goes, Allie, one more thing. (laughs) My face right now. I'm just like, no, now you're actually crossing a line. Yeah. Like, what the? Even, forget line crossing. If you want to be my lover... (laughs) 
You gotta get with my friends. You've gotta get with my friends. No, you've gotta know how to like be cool. Yeah. And just a general sense of like reading the room, the situation, realizing that hey, whatever, what you wanted to tell me, you could tell me next week Mm -hmm. or never. Save it. And I'm now like just anyway. So then he goes on to tell me he's like on YouTube. Another thing on YouTube, uh, right? Like things. I mean, maybe this is even older than Boomer. <laughs> what is above Boomer? X. Gen X. No, isn't Gen X Boomer? Are they? I feel like it's like the war. Oh yeah. What What is before Baby Boomer? The Silent Generation. Ooh. Known as the Traditionalist Generation, they're defined as people born from 1928 to 1945. Yeah. So he is like probably ni- like born in 1945. No, I guess a little later. Got it. Right? 50, 70. Yeah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess he is a boomer, but he's on the older yeah. side of boomers. Anyways, yeah, just like when boomers go on YouTube, search anything, and then they're like, like it's like they're trying to let you, it's almost like while they're simultaneously trying to like get you to like watch whatever in specific, it's also like they think that you don't know that there is free content on the internet. Right. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like. Like when I share this podcast with my dad, oh my it's god. It's like mansplaining but worse. But way worse. Yeah. But because he doesn't know. And he's like, I don't understand. How can I listen to your podcast in the car? And I'm just like, oh my god. He's like, how can I listen to it on my phone? It's like, where do we even fucking begin? Just ask it nicely. <laughs> Truly. There's so many ways. Listen, my grandma, she's very tech savvy. She's got an Alexa. So this, I'm not even, she is a member of the silent generation. I mean, yeah. she's 90. Yeah. She's got an Alexa. She's got an iPhone. She's got an iPad. She probably Love even that. has a fucking Apple Watch. She's texting me. She goes, oh my God, did you see me? <laughs> OMG. Uh, no. Like, she's fully fully with it got it i um, love that right i'm just like it's possible you can teach an old dog new tricks mm-hmm. anyways he goes on youtube search sid caesar and then like it was some like sketch and i was just like okay we'll do literally have no idea what he even told me to watch because i was like get the fuck back in your car marlon turn right. around this is too much walk back into your white bmw sedan and drive away and do not contact me do you want to name his license plate here now also? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take a oh, too bad. mental snapshot. But yeah, I don't know. I guess That's I just wanted. Too much, I dude. wanted to decompress. I'm just like these 70 year old men and their need to regale their escapades in Los Angeles as chauffeur to the stars. That kind of reminds me just that bit specifically yeah. reminds me. I'm, I mean, one of my guiltiest pleasures is this website called crazy days and nights. Oh, we dot love. Net. Yeah. It's run by an entertainment lawyer ostensibly here in anonymous, Hollywood or like Los it. Angeles, but they're anonymous and they, they're it's like basically, Dumois. it's page six or Dumois, but right. Hollywood, Los Angeles like industry specific and Mm -hmm. it's all blind items and they use like very specific terms like they'll say like the illiterate one when they're talking about Meghan Markle or like this love her or hate her celebrity when they're talking about Chrissy Teigen you know like that's isn't the illiterate one Leah Michelle illiterate is Leah Michelle allegedly allegedly illiterate oh the illiterate one okay glad we clarified so they'll use things like that to talk about specific people but every now and then they'll have just like roundups from this person the source is called the limo driver oh talking shit. about their time spent and just like salacious stories allegedly from when they were driving around old hollywood stars 80s rock icons like i mean you name it but it they're always but from they're all old. the limo driver and they're like none of them are current that's fun something from the archives so maybe your source is the, the limo, limo driver. driver he was a, he was like i've got a lot of stories oh i'm sure He's like some of them nice some of them not so nice i was like I'm sure. All right, Marlon. Have a beautiful Saturday. Wild. Like, let me go. But yeah, Crazy Days so and Nights. Annoying. If you love, if you love like celebrity tinfoil, not like QAnon tinfoil hat, but just like, oh my God, do they really act like that in, in, in public or like in restaurants or whatever? It's so much fun. I love that. I don't think I hate old people. <laughs> No, I don't. It's, it's really, it's like in the same way. I don't hate young people. I don't hate any generation. It's all like person to person. Mm-hmm. But like there, there's just so many characters in these rooms and like. Oh, sure. Old people are just so, uh, and I'm generalizing here, but like they really are so controlling of like what you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. what you're alleged. Like another person in the room said to my friend who's the timekeeper and is like literally being of service and like keeping time the entire meeting, right. which is a lot of work. She goes, I hate to sound like a bitch, but. 
but could you just not text in the meeting? Just really, I'd really appreciate it. The timekeeper says this? No, no, no. The old woman says this <gasps> to my friend, the timekeeper, who's oh my like, God. you know, 28. And the timekeeper, who's on her phone for the purpose of timing. Keeping time, yeah. And, but also maybe sends a text message or two. It's literally mind your own fucking business. Mind your own fucking business. It's not like she's over there like... No, it's not on loud or anything. She just really would appreciate it. And my friend, because it's like, this is so Al-Anon, which is like not Alcoholics Anonymous, but Al-Anon is a whole other program where it's about needing to control other people. Mm-hmm. And it like comes from being like, the the origin is like, it's a program for the enablers of alcoholics. Oh, got it. Anyways, trying to control others and just this idea if everyone would listen to me, then everything would be mm-hmm. fine. Got it. Like trying to cure your father of his alcoholism. God and it's like, you got to let go. Yeah. Anyways. So her like trying to be like, could you just not text? In response, my friend was like, take that to an Al-Anon meeting. (laughs) And I was just like, yes, do not give in to the bullying of boomers. No. Or or older. Don't give in to bullying of anybody. I agree. Take it on the nose. If you got a problem, you can vent about it on your podcast. Yeah. But I'm not changing. Or to your therapist. Because I'm glad we're having this talk. Mental health matters. Yes. And we're big proponents of it. Yes, we we are. Take care of it. It's important. It's so... It's all... (laughs) In the words of Meredith Marks on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Give us the good word. Without your mental health you have nothing she's right and she is right and you know it ebbs and flows but i just want to i just want to let you know if you're listening if you're having like a shitty day or you're feeling like what's the point or you're overwhelmed it gets better it ebbs it flows mm-hmm. and if you're having an ebb that's just guarantee that it will flow it's just one side of the pendulum exactly yep just, yeah i was that. feeling so shitty two days ago i feel great today love that i'm glad to hear it thanks brett it's good to see you it's good to see you <laughs> Should we sashay into a new segment? Let's do it. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm have been reading all these stories anyway. I'm so excited to hear what you as brought. have you because I mean our our algorithm our algorithms I feel like are pretty much synced at this point you me because i mean we do share an email also it's true so i feel like it thinks we're one and as we talked about like some of these internet sources that look suspicious actually have very credible origin so anyways i'm really excited to hear what you're bringing to the table today well on bit this one at first it kind of creeped me out because the the headline was kind of clickbaity okay but it caught my attention because it was very sort of like closely tied to what we were talking about last week on the episode in the book in the three body problem because you know at this point in the book yeah when she has sent a signal. She received a reply. It was a message. And then she fucking sent another one. Right. It just like goes on about her life. Humans on Earth, our Earth, have received a signal. No. From sciencealert.com. I'm excited to hear what their sources are. Record-breaking signal from distant galaxy is the furthest of its kind ever detected. Okay, I literally am going to shit my pants. So Go the, on. The takeaways. Atomic hydrogen is an element that is one of the key building blocks of the universe. Like it, it's everywhere. Yeah. Not H as in the atom. We're talking about H as in the hot ionized gas that forms surrounding a galaxy formation. Oh, the ionized gas. So and galaxy, we learned what ions were yeah, on this so podcast. A galaxy starts to form on the outskirts, above, around, within, throughout. Ionized hydrogen gas Sexy. is formed. So like different, yeah. And Got over it. time, as the galaxy actually coalesces together, mm-hmm. because the galaxy naturally forms gravity as mass accumulates, this ionized hydrogen gas begins to fall on the galaxy because of the gravity it's being attracted and falling down almost like, think of it like precipitation in a yeah. way. Eventually, it turns into molecular hydrogen, which we know of from the periodic table, and then it turns into stars. Well, this hydrogen emits radio waves. Like most all things in the universe, this ionized hydrogen gas emits radio waves and it's on a teeny tiny little spectrum like so tiny that like we're able to actually receive it and tell from how far it's coming if it's relatively close by according to cosmologist arnab chakrabarti from mcgill university in canada they say until now reputable institution reputable institution accredited school absolutely saying until now it's only been possible to capture this particular signal 
of hydrogen from a galaxy that's nearby, which limits our knowledge to those galaxies that are close to Earth. Scientists at the Giant Meter Wave Radio Telescope, okay. abbreviated as GMRT, in India, have used gravitational lensing, effectively turning the gravitational effects of a nearby galaxy into a focusing lens. Interesting. To observe a radio signal on the hydrogen spectrum emitted by another far more distant galaxy, 8.8 billion years ago. And for context, the working theory of the age of the universe is like 13 point something billion years ago. So this is like... Early, early, not early. Not far from the beginning of time, relatively speaking. Oh my God. And then it's just like, well, beginning of time? Yeah. I'm so crazy. Go on. So using this gravitational lensing technique, effectively allowed these scientists to magnify this tiny hydrogen signal by a factor of 30, which is what allowed such far distances. Because, I mean, things moving towards galaxies with gravity, we're able to use that, for example, in just regular astronomy, to use it as like a mirror magnifying glass to sort of quote unquote blow up an image of a galaxy that would otherwise be too far away mm -hmm. but because it's being warped coming around a galaxy that's close to us we can take the composite of those images coming back and around the galaxy put them together and see things that otherwise we wouldn't be able to because things are in the way of them or otherwise obstructing or too far away for us okay so they've applied this to radio research that's crazy and their research has implications everywhere from understanding our early universe and its behavior to also giving science new methods of probing the cosmos Oh, my God. So if you're interested in reading the research, it was published in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. And we'll link it on our Twitter. But Trust that. humans have received a record-breaking signal from a distant galaxy 8.8 .8 billion years ago is when it was emitted. Got it. But it's not like intelligent life. It's just an old, 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 old sound that has been traveling through space for 8.8 .8 billion years. After the creation of something. Right. Right. It's the sound of something. But what? What? That. What does it sound like? Well, it's on the... It's such a tiny waveform, it would be probably really high-pitched if you oh, sonified it. it. Like dogs would be turning their heads to the sides and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sound excavation of the universe, you know, like the way that we're like roving Mars for signs of water. Oh, yeah. Not much different from roving space for sound. Mm -hmm. It really just reframes, I think, like the human sort of understanding of sound because mm -hmm. we always see sound kind of attached to its source. Right. Because it doesn't take that long to travel in our own perception. Mm -hmm. But that's because we have such, like we actually have such short field of view. Right. And when you make the field of view light years. 8.8 .8 billion. It's like, oh no, sound is information. Yeah. And comes from something. Yeah. And that can lead to discovery. Well, and also show, because I mean, we've talked about before, once radio waves are emitted, they don't go away. They just start to weaken. stretch out and weaken the further they travel. So I mean, for this to have been emitted 8.8 .8 billion years ago. Just like nudes. <laughs> Just like nudes. But I mean, you think about it, like the just the fact that astronomers had the idea, well, I mean, wait, we're already using gravitational lensing. Why don't we try and apply this to radio frequencies? They're able to pick up frequencies that are so far away that otherwise they physically wouldn't have equipment sensitive enough to register that it was there at all. Right. So it's right. pretty amazing. That's incredible. Big yeah, of true. Big of true. B-I-T. Okay, can I do one? Please. So this is not science related. It's okay. But it is political-ish. We love politics. And I'm no I'm no diplomat. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and I'm no pol uh, political scientist. Fair. But I do know how to read. And I today bring you from businessinsider.com. Okay. Reputable. I don't know. Reputable in, in the eye of, in the minds of the masses. Unless in the byline it says brought to you by, and then it's like Exxon Mobil or this, like right. Monsanto. No, this is from Sinead Baker. I don't know who's in, you know, her pockets. Right. But the headline is Zelensky, obviously okay, yeah. the leader of Ukraine. Heard of him. I said he's not sure Putin is still alive. Excuse me? As he seems absent from decision making. And there is now this rumor. You know what? That's interesting because over the past week, President Biden made some kind of a remark about, he wasn't talking about Putin specifically. He was more talking about Putin's war effort against Ukraine. But Biden said something to the effect of like, he believes that they're gasping for oxygen. In Russia? And I was like speaking, well, talking about Putin right. and Putin's efforts to lead this war against Ukraine. Biden said Putin 
Hayden, he believes, is gasping for oxygen. And I thought, that's an interesting way of saying that. Yeah. So coupled with this, I'm like, okay, go on. Basically, when Zelensky was asked at the World Economic Forum in Davos, where I was, yes, I was totally there. You know, they asked certain prestigious podcast hosts to come and they asked you, not me. You know, circling the, back to our discussion on rejection, the cat's sorry, out of the on. bag. You're an AI, and I haven't fully worked out the kinks in your. But Sophia gets to be out there. <laughs> Zelensky said that he wasn't sure who in Russia would be part of the conversation around peace negotiations, and he wasn't even sure if the Russian president was still alive. Ooh. And he also suggested that Russia may have manipulated the media, showing Putin. Shonking. Zelensky's like, I don't quite understand that he's this guy. I don't understand that he is alive or that it is him particularly making decisions or who is making decisions there, who is the circle of people making the decisions. What do you think of that accent? (laughs) It sounds like Bartok from Anastasia. Oh, okay. It's pretty good. Which was in Russia, not far from Ukraine. Vaguely, vaguely Ukrainian. Zelensky also said, I don't quite understand who to talk to or what about. I'm not sure that Russia's president, who sometimes appears against the chroma key, is really him. And a chroma key is like chroma key is like, like a green a screen. Green screen, yeah. I'm tweeting this article night right now, and I'm saying major weekend at Bernie vibes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wow, so Can I wonder I what that? that could mean overall. Because I mean, I guess no, no nation, especially if they're if their leader, they're authoritarian for more or less, lack of a better word, is like facing health crises. They're not just going to like go on business as usual without someone sort of like in the wings waiting to replace in the event that like you know the worst for them happens. So I wonder what it could mean like overall. I yeah, whole like war effort right. against Ukraine. Good, worse, I don't know. But That's big if true. That's wild really hearing that coming from like true. sitting head of state. I guess Russia really could, like, you know, they, they're they the kings of deep fake, you know? Yeah. After, I don't know. America's pretty good at it. Yeah. Or I was going to say, like, after MIT coders. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Right? Big, if true. Yeah, wow. Anything else? I have one more. Okay, shoot. So this one, if our hater is still listening, I kind of hope they are, but this might get them pretty fired up because something about their interaction with us leads me to believe that they are such a hardcore materialist, like, very party line as it relates to like the institution of capital s science you know yeah. like things that are like only widely accepted you can't spell particle without party am i right very that <laughs> so this might be for them and if they're still listening i hope they give us their thoughts on this because i'm not an astrophysicist but i was highly intrigued by this story let's hear it a new theory says that dark matter might not even exist after all <gasps> Wait, what's the source? This story was originally published in Universe Today and then was syndicated by Inverse. Okay, so... In some... Dark matter doesn't exist and our understanding of gravity is wrong. Because... Rather incomplete. Because... Because of the motion of observed stars in 152 different galaxies. Because those stars... Move in ways that do not align with with how we know things to move based on Einstein's theory of general relativity. Got it. So this is contributing to the belief that dark matter might not exist because it's now offering new questions that we can ask about this space where gravity is happening. Yes. Got it. Isn't that wild? That's wild. So dark matter may not exist and our understanding of gravity might be wrong at worst or incomplete at best. Divisive. Big if true. Big if true. Guys, let us know if you have a big if true. We'd love to hear what's like What's blowing your mind, if if true? Write in radarpeakpod at gmail.com. Or... There's also been lots of UFO sightings in the past. Like, I know, week but and ever half. since I told you that thing about drones from the 80s, I've been like very bummed. I'm like, is everything a drone? Yeah. Is everything just military fucking phenomena? Because you were saying, like, best person to test your military technology on is our own people. On the ground, yeah. Because if you can fool your own, like, unbeknowing workers, military workers, then, like, you're, you're going to do good. a bang up job fooling the enemy. Yeah. I don't know what's going on up there, but all I know is... But I want to believe. Yeah, I want to believe. We're here. We're listening. Probe me. (laughs) Probe me. I always think about it going, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you this. Mm. Brett, when you went to New York, Uh the night that you left... Okay. So I was dog sitting for You watched my dogs for me. 
And I, I was went to New York on a whirlwind, like 32 hour trip. And then I was back in LA. I've never been so jet lagged. And I'm sleeping in Brett's bed because he didn't want to wake me up to go to the airport at three in the morning. Such a freaking martyr over here. And so he's like sleeping on the couch or whatever. So I'm in Brett's bed. I go to sleep. And you ever have a dream where it's like, I mean, I know you've had the kind of dream where basically you are exactly where you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So you think you're awake mm-hmm. and you don't know whether you're awake or not. Right. So at around like... Did you ask yourself? I thought for sure I was awake. No, but what I mean is like when that happens oh. to me, I always ask myself, am I dreaming? And that if I realize that I am when I ask myself that, that's when the lucid dream has been unlocked. Yes. And I have lucid dreamed for sure. But but usually it's not in the place where I actually am sleeping. Oh, You know, I'll be like, yeah. am I dreaming in a dream all the time? In like a foreign world. Or right. Like, yeah. But in the room where I'm sleeping... That's wild. And basically... I'm being abducted by an alien but I'm not just being abducted by an alien I can feel the alien touching my back Whoa. like literally pulling me it was almost like this beam had come in through your room and was pulling me by my back like almost like a like a hand but imagine the hand itself is like a suction cup Whoa. where it just like touches you and like carries you like That's there's cool. no need to like pull your flesh or anything like that right Whoa. like it just like a manipulation of force field or something exactly and Whoa. i could feel it on like i literally could feel it and i was like trying to like get it off of me i was like rolling away and i was like stop no please i don't want to go i was like screaming i was like i don't want to go i really i cuz i was like i was like, I have so much I'm working on and I'm like if I leave everyone's gonna be like worried where I went and Whoa. I like didn't want to abandon everyone and isn't that crazy That's nuts. and then I d- and I forgot about it and then in the next day I was meditating at like 10 a.m. and you know just in a state of pure relaxation I remembered that's wild and I was like oh my god <gasps> I, that was such a crazy that's wild dude right and I was like I don't know if it's that we were recording that night Whoa. and talking about aliens and whatever or like if it was actually if it happened. contact that's crazy because it was so real it wasn't a dream it was like a i don't know what they call it there's got to be a word for this phenomena and if not we should coin it like where you're dreaming in your actual environment in well, I mean, real time maybe that's happening on like the astral plane right like maybe it was your astral body your consciousness yeah not your physical body laying in the actual bedroom yeah i want that's- yeah yeah. I want to call it like like enviro lucid dreaming or yeah. something like Whoa. that. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. But you don't know you're dreaming. You think it's real. You think you're awake. Yeah. So it's like maybe you are awake. Yeah. It really left me with a Whoa. lot of questions. And I just felt like, you know, they say like what you seek seeks you. Yeah. And so it's like the more we talk. Like the more we're primed. The more we're heard. Yeah. You know. Also good to know that whoever they are, they respect consent. I know. Because like they didn't ask permission, but they respected consent. They, they were taking take me. I know. And then when I, later when I remembered, I was like, I should have just gone. If I had known that it was a dream, right. I would have gone. But because I was like, That's this is real. I'm going to be gone. Dude. Wouldn't that be so nice? Man, I'm kind of jealous. Gone. I know. I know. You can't ask for it. You are listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and today, in the custody of state police, Ye Wenji tells all about the deaths of Commissar Lei and her husband, base engineer Yang Wenning, the plot to keep her messages to Trisolaris a secret, and... Who's ultimately responsible? Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission. So chapter 25 is titled The Deaths of Lei Ji Chang and Yang Wenning. And the thing about this chapter is that it largely occurs in an interrogation room where Ye Wenji is recounting the deaths of Lei and Yang. Commissar Lei and her husband. 
Yang. Yes. And if you remember, this is also in the immediate moments after Ye has just been arrested. The majority of the Earth Tri-Solaris organization have also been arrested. Dasha shows up and just absolutely kicks butt, takes names, takes a lot of nuclear radiation in the process. We don't really actually know how that's going to turn out for him. Yeah. I don't know whether Dasha lives or dies, but I imagine you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to like hold my face in a way that's like not going to give anything away, but... No, you didn't give away anything. Your face We'll learn something soon. Blank, blank, blank. So, Brett, do you want to like maybe like kind of play the role of the interrogator and all play the role of Ye Wenji to the best of my ability in our sort of recap? Sure. Let's just see how that goes. Okay, so basically we are in a cold, dark interrogation room. Like, set the scene for us. Like a single naked light bulb is hanging and swinging over the table. Buzzing. It's probably cold. And good cop or bad cop, I don't know who you are. It kind of, honestly, the motivation of the cop kind of really just comes across as, like, neutral. They're not really motivated by any sort of agenda other than their job it kind of seems because they have before them sort of and they reference it several times they have before them sort of like a dossier that's been prepared on ye wenji right and it's almost like they're asking her questions that they already know the answers to but they just want to hear her say what the answers are right so he's neither good cop nor bad cop nor dumb cop but prepared cop. Just cop who like just did the cop. homework and is just like here to make sure that whatever she's going to say matches maybe what they've found through unspoken investigations, like that kind of thing. And this is being recorded. This is on record. Yes. This is basically... Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Let it be known that Ye Wenji does not call a lawyer. No. So this chapter starts with Ye Wenji sitting at a table in a cell just like fully by herself and you can kind of hear the sounds of like jail activities like keys jangling, people walking to and from, police officers going about their jobs and someone arrives at her cell and they let themselves in and it's the interrogator. He sits down, sets up a tape recorder, takes out this folder full of papers starts the recording and he says to Ye Wenji, please state your name. Jeffrey Epstein. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously. No, he's like state your real name. Ye Wenji. What year were you born? Uh, 1943. Then he's like, tell me about your work. And Ye Wenji was, you know, pretty short about it. She basically is like, well, I taught astrophysics at Tsinghua University. I retired in 2004. What else do you want to know? He says to her, he's like, you're obviously a woman of advanced age. Like, we're not going to hold it against you if this process becomes too arduous or if you, you get tired or old. need a break. <laughs> He's not old shaming. He, I, I feel like he's trying to. <laughs> I feel like he's trying to like almost do her a favor in that way. But at the same time, he's also like, "But I do want you to cooperate. Are you going to cooperate?" She looks left. She looks right. She agrees. Uh, yeah. You know what? Fine. I mean, she's really. It doesn't. It seems. It's almost. She's so relaxed in this interrogation. It's, scary. it's part. It's like almost like she already knows something is going to happen, and like she's sure. already done the work. Like, like they're not stopping anything. There's nothing you can put her through that will be more unbearable than the life yes. that she's already experienced. More to that point. Yeah. The foreplay on this conversation is pretty small. And so this interrogator just really just jumps right into it. He like starts flipping through his folder. He's like, yay, Wenji, our investigation shows that you're suspected of killing two workers at Red Coast Base. And I feel like she's like Robert Durst in this moment. She's like, yeah, I killed them all of them. Like on a hot mic. Yes. But so the interrogator's like, okay, who were they? And then she comes out right straight plain and says it. No lawyer in sight. She says, I killed base commissar Lei Chang and my husband, base engineer Yang Wenning. And there you go. You got the confession. Like, boom. But the interrogator, he's not particularly, like, kerfuffled by this. No. He's like, when did this happen? And she's like, oh, you want a date? I don't know. So long. October 21st, 1979, 3.46 p.m. Weather was mild. High of 59. Balmy winds at six miles per hour. She remembers very distinctly. And who knows why? I mean, no, some of that I did make up. But she does remember the exact date. Probably indelible to the mind. Unless you're a sociopath. (laughs) But no, even more so. And so at this point, the interrogator is like, okay, tell me why you did it. She's like, oh, come on. He had it coming. He had it coming. 
<laughs> he only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, I'm purposely not making eye contact with Brett so he can't stop me from mm-hmm. singing the rest of the song. Because you know I'm going. Cut it out. No, sh- Wrap it up. <laughs> To answer his question of why she did it, she first is like, all right, well, how much do you understand about what was going on in the first place at Red Coast Base? Yeah. And interrogator is like, obviously not a scientist. I mean, he's a cop. He's not a scientist. And he's like, I understand it. It's science. Like, I'll stop you if I just like clearly don't understand something. He's like, I've read the dossier. Yeah. She's like, all right, well, okay. Then here goes nothing. She takes a big swig of water, maybe coffee, probably tea, and she launches right into what happened, and she begins to tell a story. So now we go back in time to 1979, October 21st, that fateful day, and it's the same day that she ran that transmission in response to do not answer do not answer do not answer to not answer. And she, she's she like has been come here by i will help you yeah. yeah and she goes like you know come on through well she reveals i actually wasn't the only one who received the message do not Ooh. answer do not answer Face crack. do not answer lay commissar lay did too Ooh. and so this is t the interrogator is like okay i imagine he's probably like starting to form an opinion or maybe trying to like lay out a motive or something learning that lay received the message also so he's like okay so tell me what you did when you found out that he got this message also like how did you respond to that and she's like she starts going off about how well you know lay he was a politician he had him ambition see he had goals he was going places hobnobbing with oddballs shaking hands with babies and kissing the wives of their fathers you know a little Kerouac <laughs> and uh she's kind of saying like he'd come and he'd go and he'd come and he'd go and sometimes when he came he had these ideas and some of those ideas were ideas he didn't want to share with anyone else particularly one idea, which was to monitor the monitor. Basically, he had a secret backdoor to everything that was happening at the base. Lei has basically a secret copy of everything that's being interpreted by Red Coast Base. Okay. All of the signals that are coming in, he is getting a copy of it. Weird. And he's got this hidden locked file for your eyes only. No, it doesn't say that. So Ye Wenji says, that as her message to these extraterrestrials is flying through the air, mm-hmm. Lei is on his way over to talk to me and he confronts me. Ooh. Okay, now you I smell a flashback. So as Commissar Lei confronts Ye Wenji, he's in complete disbelief. Because had he not had this back door into the monitoring department of the transmissions of Red Coast Base, he wouldn't have known about the messages that Ye Wenji had been sending in the first place. So he's like, let me get this straight. You got this message eight hours ago. You deleted the original. You maybe kept a copy and you told nobody. Like, I just want to make sure, like, do I have that right? Do you know what this could mean for my career, Ye? <laughs> and Ye Wenji is like, oh, please cry me a river lay he's really pissed though he's like don't be like that like i know what you're up to you're lucky that i'm the one who found a copy of the message because you were this close and he holds up like that emoji of the okay symbol with like (laughs) microns between the fingers he was like you were this close to destroying the human race but for what it's worth let's be real they would just get destroyed in the wars that are taking place anyway so it's not like they would really stand a chance but like what the fuck were you thinking so this is when Ye Wenji realizes that while Commissar Lei has already seen this message come in and he knows that she hasn't reported it to anyone he has no idea that she replied. Yikes. And so she's like, well, it's not like I answered. <laughs> Big lie. And still though, he's pissed. He's like, but you know what? What's funny is I was the only person at this base who ever stood up for you. Like, don't forget all those times that I had no reason to, I still chose to defend you and like, look at you acting this way. I always knew that you'd pull something like this. And then he says something. He's like, it's almost like you wake up in the morning looking for ways to seek revenge on people. Ugh. 
Ye Wenji could not care less about Commissar Lei's high horse. And she's just like, well, you know what? At least I don't live in a fucking house of cards. But he's really on one. He's like, yay, people stick their necks out to help you. And you're the first person that picks up the axe. Like, what is up with that? Like, that could not be more fucked up. But then he's like, your husband Yang is the last person who should get dragged down because of the fact that you hate how we do things here. And then he's also like, but how could you do this? Like, aren't you pregnant? Think about the future. Like, are you just ignoring all of that? Or like, what's going on here? Oh, please. What are you campaigning for office, Commissar Lei? She's like, they'll elect a tardigrade chairman before they elect you vice president of the PTA. Ooh. I mean, she doesn't say that, but I feel You're like You're giving it like a very like film noir kind of feel now. Yeah. Like maybe it's Joan Crawford or something. Exactly. She's like, as for the state of my gestational development, it's my body, my choice. She's very... Don't fuck with me, fellas! That's right. That's right. Yeah, she is not intimidated by Commissar Lei in the slightest. And she doesn't really seem to give a fuck about her husband either. I mean, no, she she she's grateful, as we've heard. She's grateful to her husband. Sure. But Commissar Lei really sees her as, like, bringing Yang's political and social status down. Yeah, and I kind of get the sense that, like, just by the virtue of the fact that, like, he brought up all the times that he decided to stick up for her, I don't know, I kind of, like, take away the meaning that, like, maybe it's not the only reason why he stuck up for her, but, like, maybe he does things for people so that he, like, transactionally, like, so that he can use them later to get something else back from them. Yeah. And the next thing he says he to her... He expected loyalty from her. Yeah, and the next thing he says to her, he's like, I can fix this. Like, that's how this works, right? Like, you make the mess i clean it up like you're lucky that nobody knows about this but the two of us so just like keep it a secret keep it to yourself and like maybe you can avoid the consequences you know i know people i can probably talk to people and like get a more lenient situation for you or like i can continue to shield you or you know whatever but basically she's like yeah 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 yeah. like we all know you know people listen i don't i don't need this bullshit and he's like what's that supposed to mean and she's like You just want to be the guy at every gala going, I was the guy who discovered extraterrestrial life first. And it cuts away back to the interrogation room. Yeah, he's like, do you guys always fight like a married couple? And she's like, oh, well, we had, you know, at this point done away with formalities. We'd been there far too long. And I mean, when you know someone for that long, you do kind of, we don't fight like a married couple yet. No, we don't have any reason to. But then the interrogator is like, so then what happened next? Because like, yeah, that's a big deal, I guess. But then like, what was the moment like when you decided to kill him? Like, I want you to walk me through that because I want to understand your thought process. She's like, okay, you want to hear how I killed them? You want to hear why I killed them? You want to hear when I killed them? Roll tape. Yeah, he's like, spell it out for me. So she's like, it wasn't going to be hard. I didn't have to do a ton of planning or anything, you know, like I fucked with the equipment, loosened some wires up the voltage. I sent the whole system on the fritz, basically. Okay. So knowing that it's just a matter of time before Commissar Lay either finds out about the message she sent. Right. <laughs> or just diverts her whole plan and, and spins this into like a political thing. And Starts doing the morning shows, talking about how he found E.T. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And she's basically going to lose all of her access to Mm -hmm. these extraterrestrials. Yeah. She realizes she has no option but to kill him. And she's like, well, it wasn't going to be very hard. Once I decided I was going to do it, it it wasn't going to be difficult. You know, I I, first I fucked with the equipment. I loosened some wires, up the voltage, just sent the whole system on the fritz. Which would lead to a technician coming out to inspect the wire terminals. Okay. And just as I expected, technician comes out. But see, the thing about these wire terminals is that they run underground. The construction of Red Coast Base, I don't know, it doesn't, it, it's in a mountain. So they clearly have So you work had with what do. you have. Yeah. Yeah. They clearly had they to They wanted cut like some... a really high point. So it's on top of a mountain, but right. like. But, it's a mountain. <laughs> right. It's a mountain, which means that like certain underground wiring ends at points that are like only accessible kind of cliffside. So to not get down, as stable a configuration as like Pasadena or something. Right. You're not like walking yeah. down into like a basement and then just like going through a tunnel and then arriving safely at these like, end terminals. You actually have to rappel on a rope. Yeah. It's like part hike to the office every day. Truly. You know, it's the 70s. What are you going to do? So basically to access these terminals, you had to tie a rope to a post and rappel off the side of a cliff. 
So the interrogator's like, okay, so because all this stuff happened, your plan was working, right? Well, yeah. So the technician comes along to inspect. He repels down. So an hour and a half later, he comes back up. He's all sweaty. He's confused. He's like, I, I can't find the malfunction. I guess I have to go report it to base command center, which is headed by none other than Commissar Lay. Mm -hmm. And so plan is going exactly according to plan. The soldier comes back with Commissar Lay and Commissar Lay has this habit of volunteering to help with the most dangerous and disgusting jobs around Radar Mm -hmm. Peak. Because he doesn't want to seem like some white collar. Drain the swamp kind of. Yeah. He wants to show, oh, he's a man of the people, you know. So he's getting his, he's rolling his sleeves up, you know, reaching into the toilets, unclogging them, whatever he's got to do to earn a little respect. So when he has the opportunity to throw on the harness himself and rappel down and check out these base terminals, he he does it without so much as even acknowledging Yay Wenji. Okay. And Yay Wenji says something to kind of get the soldier or the technician rather to go away while sure, yeah. Commissar Lay is down there. I don't know if sure, she says. Limit the witnesses. Exactly. So she's like, you know, uh, oh, I, did you hear? Uh, we just got in a new shipment of American erotica. And <laughs> he run, he bolts. He bolts right to the mailroom. And she stays there alone with Commissar Lay. And from her pocket, she pulls out this like three piece hacksaw and she like how big are her pockets i know i mean apparently there's like small hacksaws that you can assemble got it and she looks at the rope that commissar lay is hanging on and she figures that if she can cut it just so it'll appear to have snapped oh god yeah we start this chapter knowing there's two dead people and the interrogator is like tracking with everything she's saying but so far the only sort of confrontation that's happened has been between Ye Wenji and Commissar Lei. So the interrogator is like, hang on though, what about your husband? How did Yang Wenning get involved in all of this? Like when did he come into play? Like had you been planning on killing him before? Like I need to know how he plays into this. She's like, oh can't you let a woman tell a story for once? God. (laughs) Fine, I'll speed it up. She's like, yes. My husband came along right before. I mean, I guess this is actually what she was about to say. She's basically like, I'm about to I'm about to cut the rope that Commissar Lei is repelling on when my husband Yang shows up. He's like, what's going on? What, what's what's happening? And she's like, oh, uh, something's wrong with the ground terminals that just need some digging. And the interrogator's like, wait, he didn't ask you about the hacksaw in your hand? And she's like, you know, men... And then they don't know where the clitoris is. You think he saw the hacksaw on my hand still? Anyways, I love the way he tries. You know, when he saw Commissar Lay down there digging, he insisted on giving his best effort to help out. Oh, no. I know. And she tries. Oh, how she tries to beg him, you know, to just not do it. To be like, no, he's got it, you know. Or let me get you another rope. That rope's not strong enough. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. This rope is more than strong enough. She's like, please, Yang, let me just go get you another rope. Just stay here. I'll be right back. I'm, I'm be right back with another rope. So Yang Wenji runs off and to get another rope. And when she comes back with the other rope, he's gone down on the, on the same rope. So I'm thinking like immediately, she already had made up her mind about Commissar Lei, but now I'm just thinking like, I wonder how quick of a decision it was for her now knowing that her husband is down there on the same row and knowing she's pregnant. But I mean, also, I guess to this point, she's been described as having like a soul that's made out of ice, you know? So I mean, I imagine maybe it wasn't that difficult of a choice for her. I mean, we've heard it described so many times that like this contact with Trisolaris is the thing that brought her to life. The only thing that filled her life with color. Yeah. So I guess the moral of the story is a man won't complete you. And that is how three body problems. That's T. So the interrogator's like, okay, well now seeing them both down there, I imagine you had to act quickly. Yeah, no kidding. She's like, I peered over the edge and they were actually already on their way back up. Oh no. Yeah. So I thought, you know, there's never going to be another chance. And I grab my hacksaw and I just start sawing through that motherfucking rope like my life depended on it. Yikes. 
And she saws and she saws and she saws. At this point, the interrogator turns off the recording. He's like, I'm going to stop the recording, so I want you to speak freely. But I want to know, how did you feel when you were doing this, knowing it was going to lead to the deaths of your friend and of your husband? Like, what did that feel like? And she because yeah i mean this whole time that she's telling the story she's really devoid of like anything that sounds like remorse or emotion and she says that she felt nothing zero and her justification is that these two deaths are such a small price to pay in the name of trisolaris and absolutely peanuts compared to the price that the human race will pay nope. so these are just drops in the in a bucket you know dro- these were just two tiny droplets in the ocean of human destruction that she wishes upon the human race damn so interrogator is like dark okay uh well i'm gonna turn this back on now he's like so when you cut the rope what happened then like what did you see were you close enough to see anything what was that like and she it, it gets kind of graphic from here you guys she says i heard them cry out with surprise no! what the thing? no and then She says she hears the sound of two bodies slam against the rocks at the bottom of the cliff. It's like dropping a water balloon. And then she says that after a while, she sees the stream at the foot of the cliff turn red. And then with that, she signs uh, the affidavit or whatever. Yeah, like at this point, that's it. Like the interrogation is over. The interviewer thanks her he's like thanks for speaking freely um look at these notes i've been taking and if they're right and if you feel like you've been represented properly sign here date here initial here and uh i think we're good and you can return to your cell yeah like you're you're not free to go you're you're certainly don't get it twisted to two murders so you're definitely not free to go but that's like a thing though like older people especially when they're in like hospice care or in nursing homes there's like i forget the statistics but there's a high percentage of people that once they're in those settings that confess to like decades old murders because i guess at that point men- mentally it's sort of like well it's like there's nothing it's worse. already taken a toll life is pretty much over yeah better to say it than to spray it no better to say it than to die with it <laughs> i guess i guess better Don't not to do any- it are you taking anything to your grave just curious Am I? Well, I mean, I've already told you I'm bad at keeping secrets. What about your recipe for mango rice? (laughs) No, I would give you that. Thank you. In case it wasn't clear, that was the end of the chapter. It's a very short chapter this week. Yeah, super short. It's literally just that interrogation where we just find out about how she killed her husband and Commissar Lay. Yeah. And we're almost back in the real world. Next week, we have one more chapter that's set in the past. It's going to give us a little more backstory, a little more insight, a little more understanding into Ye Wenji as a person. Because, I mean, at this point, I mean, I was ride or die for Ye Wenji until I really witnessed the cold-blooded, sanctioned murder of Pan Han in the meeting of the ETO. Now, at this point, I'm kind of feeling a little more murky about her, where I feel like I maybe made up my mind too soon Mm. but next week we get a little more backstory and we'll kind of understand the moments leading up to her giving birth to yang dong and then Mm. what happens after she gives birth as a mother to a newborn i feel like this is a little teaser not a spoiler okay but she also decides to go see some people some family members from her past who survived the cultural revolution Ooh, we know it's not her sister sadly Okay, well, excited for that. Me too. I mean, God, you know it's hard to go home again, especially for Ye Wenji. I'm like, this is going to be drama. Yeah, next week is homecoming, you guys. Let's see if any wounds are healed, if any questions are answered. Or if new wounds are created, more likely. I know. I mean, if anyone has gone home for the holidays. But not me. I have a great time when I'm home for the holidays. My mom's a listener. Hi, Melanie. By the way, she's pissed that I accused her of disagreeing with the statement that basically I think on a prior episode, I said that my mom's 
said to me oh wait i smell a retraction that we have harnessed the power of our own oh yeah you did say you did say that and she was like i never said that i would never be so stupid as to say that she's like i i know she's like you think solar energy is is us harnessing the power of our sun she's like that's just a smidgen i'm just like okay i don't know why i remember you saying this but she was like that must have been grandma you were just you were just telling your truth Uh, yes so I want to issue a formal apology. Uh, my mom never said that. And she's not that stupid. She knows we are not even level one on the Kardashev scale. Mm-hmm. She knows better than me. Man. She's smarter than me. Prettier than me. Funnier than me. More capable. Keep all that. <laughs> all hail Melanie. All hail Instamel. Well, in the meantime, we're so glad you decided to join us again this week. Don't get used to hearing us on Thursdays. We were just experiencing a bit of a crisis era this week. So we thank you for joining us on Not Our Normal Day. We look forward to having you join us again next week on Wednesday, our normal day. And in the meantime, don't forget, send us your big if trues. We would love to talk about them. Anything else before we go? It's out of tune, it's out of tune, this guitar is out of tune. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. See you there.